Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number nine of That's What B Said, brought to you by Fansighted. I am your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my lovely two ladies, Miss Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And Meredith is with us at MCAN Sports. Hi, Mayor. Hello. We are back for our second episode of the week. Ooh. I mean, we just can't get enough, you know. know. When the Browns win, it's just like, we got to keep doing this. We do. I hope this isn't the last time. We said that last week, and it, it, we did. it we was did. not the last it time. Wasn't. Here we are. We're going to do this. Okay. We're going to keep doing it. We, ha- we can't, like, we have to keep all of these traditions going, right? The superstitions are real now, right? We recorded last Thursday. We're back again this Thursday. I hope everybody yes. has their routine laid out of what they did on Sunday. I'm still wearing the same stinky clothes I was on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I did take mine off. Um, oh, Brie, I thought we were in this together. I laid them out. They are ready to go. And then I already told my husband, I I got Dave's Cosmic subs on Sunday, like super random. Oh, love it. Love I Dave's. was like, we have to go back on Sunday and yes. get Dave's Cosmic subs. Like, clearly, that was it. Yes. Good choice. So I know it's a three o'clock game and not an eight o'clock game, but are you still going to put little dude to bed it right when the game starts? <laughs> <laughs> and okay. then you're going to sit in the basement while Jeff sits upstairs. <laughs> Yeah, I actually got like a little bit sad thinking about that. I'm like, I can't even like watch a like I have to like watch a game in silence by myself because like now that's just what we have to do and that makes me sad. Like I can't even enjoy this moment with anyone because I've shunned him to the upstairs bedroom. It's what the group chats are for. Yeah, you could text you and be like, wanna meet up at halftime? <laughs> and I will tell him that is very risky. <laughs> Um, yeah, little, so little dude, it's funny because they have no concept of time or like they don't understand that the Browns only play once a week. And so last night they asked to watch the Browns and I was like, sure, I'll like just replay the game again. (laughs) They like sat there and we only watched the first quarter, which was really the most important part of that game anyway. (laughs) It's the only quarter you need to watch. Exactly. But they like laid there and cheered their butts off. And every time they showed the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, they were like, boo, Steelers, boo, Steelers. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is amazing. You are doing great. (laughs) Oh, it's my only, my only (laughs) victory in life so far. All right. Well, so just a quick thing before we get into the show, we're going to go into some hot topic storylines as we head into the Kansas City matchup on Sunday, and then we will give you guys some keys to a victory. Um, it feels like the Browns are very much an underdog again this week, so mm-hmm. no different than last week. We're going to tell you why why the Browns could win this game and put our positive spin on it, of course. So in a week that should be filled with excitement and joy, it seems a lot of people are stuck on being hostile, (laughs) rude, and abrasive. (sighs) Browns fans, we still have a few more days to make this right. Let's come together for the greater good. Our Cleveland Browns are in the second round of the playoffs. Can we all be happy and stop beating each other up about petty shit? It's so out of control. It's so out of control that I had to include this I said quick monologue in the rundown because, guys, can we just behave? We don't have to act like we've been here before because we haven't. haven't. (laughs) But, like, just put it all aside and just enjoy. What did I say last week in that that speech? I said, this is the moment, guys. This is the Do you want to waste it? Do you want to waste it arguing on Twitter with other fans of the same team? Is that what we want to do? Just stop. That's what the Browns Twitter seems to do, though. It, it doesn't matter if it's like win, lose, tie. Like there's always 
a, a group that is just unhappy and miserable. Yes. I mean, I've, I've brought it up before multiple times, like on this podcast, elsewhere. There are people, and I, I truly do not believe that they're actual sports fans. I just don't. Um, I think they're, they're fans of the city of Cleveland and will support Cleveland things, which is fine. But these are the people that make being miserable their entire damn personality. Yes. And when the Browns are not giving you a reason to be miserable, they just start bullying other people on Twitter. Like, that's yeah. really all it is. Like, like here's the thing, Browns fans. Like, being miserable is not a personality trait, and you shouldn't make it one. Because here's the thing. That's one of the reasons why Juju Smith-Schuster was saying, oh, same old Browns. It's because of people like you. Because there's always this loser-defeatist attitude that was surrounding Browns fandom. And Juju was probably, he's on social media, so he's probably seeing that. And that's probably why he's saying, oh, it's same old Browns. Because he's seeing you people... You people, you people, I be, love it. Be, be obnoxious and miserable for no goddamn reason. None. This is like the best we've ever had it. This yeah. is it yes. right here. This is as good as we've been. This is the turkey been. sandwich. And yeah, this is the turkey sandwich. And you guys yes. just want to piss it away by going on Twitter and getting your little Twitter fingers ready, hot and triggered. And just bullying each other. Just stop. It's so old. There's enough to be miserable about in life. You don't have to turn on other fans just because. It, there's no reason for it. We got to be better than this. Yeah. We're all we're all on the same team, like literally yeah. and figuratively. That's yeah. it. But you know what miserable, pe- miserable people hate the most? Happy Positive people. people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's like what they hate the most. So it's it's they want to be miserable but they don't want to see anyone else happy or happy about things that they're not happy about so and it's you know just... what these people do not deserve the cleveland browns they That's don't right this story is incredible i mean i made that tiktok and like yeah it was super cheesy and corny and the song was you know super cheesy and corny as well to go along with it <laughs> of course but, it's tiktok <laughs> but like i went back and i watched these moments and i thought to myself this season has been truly remarkable and incredible. Like we've had more ups than we've had downs. And I went back and I was like, I didn't even realize in the moment what it was all going to be like and how it was all going to end up. So I just wanted to go back and reflect on all of those positives and all of the fun that we've had and, and the football that we got to watch was good football this year. Mm-hmm. And majority of the time, you guys, like we have won 12 football games. That's amazing. It's a lot. That's 12 times to be happy. I don't understand why we have to be negative right now. I don't understand why we have to turn on each other right now. This is not the time. I feel like we're talking to toddlers right now. Yes, there's moments in the happiness. Like, there's more happiness in the happiness, too. Like, there's so much happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we'll be happy for everyone, okay? (laughs) Oh, okay. So let's get into some hot topics before we preview this game Um, and one that we've talked about pretty much all season long because you know he's had his share of ups and downs start of the season did not go the way that that anyone expected and I think he's had a lot of doubters along his entire career and that is Baker Mayfield and Brady you brought up a really really good point on Twitter that I want you to spend some time talking about yes so one thing that I've noticed especially this week but kind of like you know, all season almost, is for the national media this week, I've I've seen and heard them praising the remaining quarterbacks. 
So, you know, when you think of Lamar Jackson, they describe him as being electric. And Josh Allen, seen him being described as intimidating. And Mahomes, a generational talent, which all these are true, by the way. I'm not disagreeing with any of this. Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, all-time greats, yes. But when it comes to Baker, the, the easy fallback for all of them seems to be he's a great leader or a good game manager or a good locker room guy, but it's never about his skills. They never praise him for being a good quarterback. It's like they're almost afraid to say it. I don't understand it because I, he took the Cleveland Browns. And granted, it took him three years, but so much of that has not been his fault. Right. And you see more than a few times this season, especially late in the year, Baker has been the best player in the game, especially on the Browns team. He's improved in virtually every category since last season and looks like a different quarterback. Think about, okay, guys. Look at the first game against the Ravens compared to what you saw in Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Does that even look like the same quarterback? No. Like the, the leaps that he has taken this year, the, the progress and the development, it's all so obvious that he's turning a corner into being a very good quarterback. It's because of him, and you, not to take away anyone else, like you know Kevin Stefanski, uh, the run game, you know Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, Obviously, like super impressive. We also would not be here without them. But he's penalized and looked down on because the Browns system is good, which is something I never thought that I would say. But, (laughs) you know, people have been pointing that out. Well, someone said to me today, they could have beat Pittsburgh with Case Keenum starting. And, you know, I don't want to get into the specifics of that or whether it's true or not. But the more I thought about it, I was like, even if they could have beat Pittsburgh with Case Keenum, even if that's true, doesn't that say something about the development of the Cleveland Browns franchise? That you could take out a good quarterback, maybe, and still win a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Doesn't that say something about the system that they now have? Like, I don't understand why he's being penalized or looked down upon because of that. And unlike Lamar and Allen, Baker's development hasn't been a priority until this year they never had a solid system in place to play to his strengths or really cared about his progression until Stefanski and Barry if you look back at Hugh Jackson who wasn't even sure if he wanted to start him you know he he wanted to go through Tyrod and then you know Todd Haley got it was was a disaster and then Freddie where Hmm. everything just went out the window there was no plan everything was just seat of their pants every week let's you know, we'll, we'll game plan and then throw it out the window. There was nothing done last year to help Baker's development at all. So he's there now, but he might be a few steps behind people, like especially Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, mm-hmm. because of the systems they were in. Josh Allen, from the beginning, he's had consistency. From the beginning, he's had, you know, they've been patient with him. They've worked to develop him. They've worked to his strengths. Lamar Jackson got put into a perfect situation for him. And I shouldn't say put there, but they they built an offense tailored to his strengths. And that's why he's been so great. But Baker never had that until this year. They got Kevin Stefanski, and it really seems like everything's starting to go Baker's way. They got a guy who, who believes in what he's done. And when he was in Minnesota and he had, like, similar pieces he, he brought that into Cleveland and it's been very effective so I just 
it makes me, I wouldn't say upset, but it's irritating when I see national pundits always saying, you know, praising these guys' skills. You know, he, he's such a great runner. You know, uh, Josh Allen can throw 70 yards from his ass. Like, this is all great. <laughs> but Baker is also very good. The Browns would not be here if it weren't for Baker Mayfield. So that's my spiel. Yeah, I I think too, Brittany, like part of the part of the other annoying thing about it too is that they were taking a 2019 year of just pure turmoil and judging mm-hmm. Baker based off of that. And and I mean in all fairness, fine. That's what you have to go off coming into this season. But as this season has progressed and as Baker has progressed, it was never about Baker Mayfield. It was always about, as you mentioned, like the scheme and the system. It was never giving Baker Mayfield credit. And until Sunday, when I think the Browns were on a national stage and Baker was on that national stage, that's when I think a lot of these guys shut the hell up. Because Baker Mayfield, as as dynamic as Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were in that game on mm-hmm. Sunday, Baker Mayfield he made all of the right decisions. He yes. was the reason that the Browns won that game. Yes. It, it was Baker. Yes. And it I'd like Baker. to build on this point because I think this is important to point out to people. You know, when they think, well, Baker Mayfield's not as good as these other guys, you know, all these adjectives they use to describe these other guys, and Baker's always, you know, good game manager, good leader, blah, blah, blah. But, guys, listen to this. Okay, here's a list of interceptions thrown over the last 10 games for remaining quarterbacks. Oh, I'm so happy you're bringing this up because I saw this too, and it made my blood boil reading the comments. It's unbelievable. So Jared Goff, 9. Lamar Jackson, 8. Tom Brady, 8. Josh Allen, 6. Drew Brees and Pat Mahomes, 5. Aaron Rodgers, 3. Baker Mayfield, 1. He has thrown one interception over the last 10 games. Right, and all of the comments underneath are like, well, how many times has he thrown it because he doesn't throw the ball? Like they, they think that Baker Mayfield only hands off. But again, these people don't watch the Browns. They just don't no. watch the Browns play, and they haven't all year. Like They haven't watched the Browns play up until Sunday. That's, that's the story of all of these national people. And there are some that actually are Baker supporters. Um, I think Dan Orlovsky has been one of them, and then Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football I think has been a, a big Baker fan. Um, and Nick Wright is another one that I've seen talk about Baker in a very positive light. So there's a few, but it's mm-hmm. definitely the minority and not the majority. Right. And again, they penalize him because he does have two great running backs. And they think that the, the world just revolves around those two. But let's not take away from everything that Baker Mayfield has been able to do this year because he has been good for most of the season. He's had, you know, there have been a few games where maybe like one or two where you look at it and you're like, that was bad. That was bad, Baker. But other than that, like, he's been very consistent. He's not he's not this this inaccurate, you know, last year he sort of looked lost. He he did a lot of the little things really wrong. He's not doing those things anymore. Yeah. And at the beginning of this year, I said, what did we talk about? Where I said, um, you know, there when people want to bring up his size. You know, he can't grow. That's not an option. He's not going to get any bigger. But there are little things that he could do to make himself better, make himself almost elite. And one of those things was to be smarter. Just be a smarter quarterback. And that already puts you miles ahead of where you were. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him do all the little things right this year, which I th- to me, that's 
such a huge step in the right direction from what we saw last year. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And I would also say too, I'm not even sure Baker gets enough credit for his leadership on the team. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's actually something that a lot of people knock him for about not being a good leader. But that's another thing that he's definitely improved upon this year is he's been saying the right things too. Like there's, there's no storylines regarding or surrounding Baker this year. He has mm-hmm. his progressive commercials and quite frankly, he's funny. He's good in the progressive commercials. <laughs> and he was last year too. It's just yes. his play on the field didn't mirror his acting performance last year, yes. but this year they go hand in hand. Um, yes. But yeah, Baker has said all the right things in the press conferences um, he's been a stand-up guy. He's been a great teammate. I don't think he was ever a bad teammate last year. In fact, I think a lot of the times when he had those moments in the press or with the media, I think he was defending his team or his coaching staff. Like, Baker doesn't point fingers and put the blame on anyone else outside of mm-hmm. himself, and and that's admirable. Yes, absolutely. Meredith, do you have anything to add on Mr. Baker Mayfield? Because I'm going to get into my rant <laughs> with Baker. I mean, I agree with everything that you guys are saying. Uh, One of the things that I have noticed about Baker is I feel like he's kind of taken on the personality of Kevin Stefanski. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if if you have never heard either man's voice before, you could almost interchange their press conferences. And that's a very good thing when you have um, a coach like Kevin Stefanski. And what I've been told by people who used to play the game is that when that kind of thing happens, like, when you when the players start echoing the things that the coaches have said, when the players start sounding like the coach themselves, that means they've completely bought in, which says to me that Kevin Stefanski has nothing but control and respect in the locker room. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why things have been so successful. And I was I was laughing. Uh, I was on mute to try not to distract because I don't know if you guys heard the meowing in the background. It wasn't Joey this time. It was Llama. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> This is a kitty podcast. But um, when you were talking about Baker's interceptions and the immediate reactions were how many times has he thrown? Like how many times have been have Browns fans been pounding the table to run it more? They're saying that Baker throws too much. Everybody just wants it both ways. Yes, I know. So that's what I found really funny. But yeah, I mean, you guys just all points hit the nail completely on the head. So the other thing, I, I will die on this hill. I will continue to die on this hill. I, Let's hear it. Let's go. I will fight to the death. I will fight someone over OBJ. <laughs> like, I'm ready. Do so it. I was just thinking about this. These are the random things that I think about. I know, Brittany, you have these random thoughts too. But like, randomly, yes. I'm just sitting there thinking like, wow, it's been so nice to see Baker develop in this offense and to have a really nice back half of the season and to have the offense click at this point in time especially. And I started to think about, what would OBJ look like in this offense? And then I started to think about Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and what those two have done this year in having that like number one receiver target who is new to new to the team. But Josh Allen has obviously been in the system now since 2018. So Josh Allen has had consistency over the last three years in his particular um, offense and team. And then they added this number one wide receiving threat in digs and they've just been spectacular all year. And so that got me thinking, okay, this offense is clicking. Um, OBJ went down pretty early on in the season before the offense really, I think, got into their, um, into their groove. And now we're kind of seeing that happen. And so I tweeted about that, that that was my, my thought and, and my excitement for what they could do 
um, next year as we as we head into the following season, which I hate talking about next year because we're obviously still playing. But so then, of course, it starts coming with Baker's better without OBJ. It's everybody then starts to bring up like OBJ's a diva. He forces Baker Mayfield to throw him the ball and he constantly is whining for the ball and and all of this stuff. And I just have to disagree. Like, I will always disagree with that statement that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback without OBJ because there are way too many other factors about Baker Mayfield than just OBJ. Baker's rookie year, he came in, he was great. Didn't play a full season, obviously, because he didn't come in until that Jets game. The NFL didn't even have any tape on Baker Mayfield, but he thrived, okay? Had a head coach that got fired in the middle of the season. Greg Williams took over. Todd Haley was still there. And then he goes into the next season with Freddie Kitchens, who was the offensive play caller for part of that time. We know how 2019 went. The same thing that happened that year was the OBJ trade. Everyone is making this correlation that by adding OBJ to the team last year made Baker Mayfield worse. You want to know what Baker what made Baker Mayfield worse? Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey, Todd yes. Monken. That yes. is what made Baker Mayfield worse. Also a guy named Ryan Lindley, who was his quarterback coach, who might as well have just been a best friend that he watched movies with. Oh my God, <laughs> I haven't heard that name in years. I know, I forgot he even existed. Right. What is he doing now? Is he coaching high school? Because he was not fit to be an NFL quarterback coach. Him and Todd Haley both, just down wherever <laughs> coach. Todd Haley high can school. go get a job at the Steelers again. There's an opening. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Baker Mayfield in 2019, and I, and I posted this because I kept getting the Baker's bad with OBJ. Baker Mayfield got sacked 40 times last year. Baker Mayfield was pressured 121 times last year. Baker Mayfield was in an offense that was running vertical routes, 40 yard, 40 yard routes down the field. They weren't a run focused football team. In fact, they ran the ball, I think, almost 100 times fewer in 2019 than this year. Baker threw the ball 535 times. That's not OBJ's fault. No. That was an offense that was going to fail because he didn't have the offensive line to protect him to make those throws down the field. And when the wide receivers are running their routes, half of the time the routes were developing in the same spot. If you go back and watch 2019 – you will see that OBJ, Jarvis, they were always like within five, five feet of each other, if not closer. So you can miss me with the whole it's OBJ's fault. I think Baker Mayfield forces the ball to OBJ or had forced the ball to OBJ at the beginning of this year or even last year because OBJ is a playmaker, right? Like Baker Mayfield wasn't sure. comfortable in his offense, but he has a guy that he know that he knows if he gets the ball to him, he'll make a play. That backfired because Baker wasn't comfortable in the offense. Baker wasn't making the right decisions. That is not OBJ's fault. And you know how that can be corrected? With a competent coaching staff, a competent GM that went out and acquired the talent on the offensive line. Huge upgrade this year. They signed Austin Hooper. He's been huge in the run blocking game, in the pass protection. And then you have Kevin Stefanski that that designed an entire offense to benefit his quarterback. And they are a run-first team. Mm -hmm. And then there's more 
RPO, there's more. I mean, it's just it's just amazing to see the development of this offense and how it has helped Baker Mayfield. Last year, yes. Baker Mayfield looked so uncomfortable. He had the yips. His feet were a mess. He was all over the place. He stared his receivers down. Go back and watch Sunday night's game. There was He was not panicked at all. No. Not panicked at all. No. No, and I'm with you. I think something that people overlook when it comes to the Baker and OBJ conversation is that, like you said, before this was going to work, because it, you know, it very much can, and all these people are like, you know, trade OBJ, Baker doesn't need him, blah, blah, blah. I 100% do not buy into that because Baker needed to, number one, get his confidence back. Yes. That's what makes Baker Mayfield really good is his confidence when he believes in himself, when he plays with the chip on his shoulder. These are things that sort of define Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. So once he has those things, once he has the confidence, once he feels comfortable in an offense and he has a coach that, that believes in him and, you know, will tailor things to his strengths, which Kevin Stefanski is doing and, you know, uh, Van Pelt is doing. These are all important in order for Baker Mayfield to work with anyone. Yes. So next year, when you bring OBJ back to a, a a confident, comfortable Baker Mayfield, like I genuinely believe yeah. that that tandem is going to be great together. I mean, but just... these things had to happen first because like Bree said, at times it seemed like he was – you know, you say crutch. I sort of feel like he maybe felt very pressured to get it to him at times. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he wasn't comfortable enough in, in his own play where he's like, yes. okay, you know, I'm, I need to find him. I need to, to get it to him. Like, and it sort of messed up the, the flow of things. But next year when Baker's comfortable in this, like, can you imagine those two together? Oh, I think it could be so special i mean when you go back and watch the dallas game and see how impactful obj was to that game i mean absolutely the way that kevin stefanski utilized and schemed obj in that game that is incredible and that is something that you wished we have that i wish we had available for sunday against the chiefs like definitely and i i still think that you know there's enough there's enough of Baker Mayfield to go around and, and for OBJ and Jarvis to be happy in Hollywood. And I, I just have so much trust in what Kevin Stefanski can do that I have no doubt in my mind that these players just want to win. The whole narrative of OBJ is just a diva and he pouts on the sideline. Yeah, I could maybe see a little bit of that from 2019. But go back and read the article that Bleacher Report put out there. The entire locker room was in turmoil and shambles like obj was the one that tried to bring everyone back together in the offensive room like to me that shows his leadership that doesn't show me that he's a diva like he wanted things to work last year they didn't and then you look at this year with the culture and coach stefanski i mean this is a place i think obj can really thrive and i think he does want to win if he didn't want to win he wouldn't be blocking downfield for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And that's what he did all season long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm, I will die on the hill with you. I'm Thank good you. with it. Thank you. Me and you <laughs> against the world. Mary, count me what in. about you? Oh, How count me feel? in. Yes. Count me in. Yeah. I just, I think it's, I think it is so unfair to call OBJ a diva. Like, I know he had the incident in New York where he got into a fight with a net <laughs> on the sideline. Like, I think that's hilarious. But I it's think passion. it's passion. 
I think it's unfair to call him a diva just because he's willing to show emotion. Like, that just seems to be... Yes. You know, it just... It, I'm trying to find the, way, the right words for it, but it almost feels like... Those are the alpha dales. Men are allowed to feel yeah, things or yeah, express emotion. Yeah, although, you know, dales seem to forget that rage is also an emotion. <laughs> so. Well, it was my favorite when Brittany brought up, like, all of these dales, like, get mad at OBJ for expressing emotion, but yet they're the ones analyzing his body language. Right? right? <laughs> yes. But yeah, like, it's just, he's he's passionate. He wants to win above all else. And one of the things that I think is so impressive about Baker Mayfield this year is his ability to spread the ball around. Like, that is one of the things, and we haven't really talked about it that much, but it's there. Like, if you look at, gosh, like the last five games of the season, like the amount of touches that every tight end, wide receiver, and running back got in those last five games, like, it was... Everywhere there was one game where I think there were like seven different people that had some yeah, kind of an impactful play. And the Baker's dozen, like, yeah, spread so, the ball to that many players on the team. Yeah, I mean, and that is one of the things that Baker I think has improved the most on this year. And we even saw it in the game against Pittsburgh on Sunday. You know, he kept trying to get it to Hollywood. You know, Hollywood was having trouble catching. He was trying to get it to Austin Hooper, who was dropping things. And so mm-hmm. finally, he said, and then so. After that, he got it to Jarvis two or three times, and that got, you know, what was it? A few first downs and a touchdown. So, I mean, it's just he has gotten so good at checking down and reading, and that was one of the things that we were concerned about with his play at the very beginning of the season. And, again, that goes back to Brittany's point about him being comfortable. Like, he's comfortable. He knows who he can go to and when. And to say that a generational talent makes Baker worse is the most galaxy brain take you could possibly have like wherever OBJ goes he's going to make that team better because he's the one of the best wide receivers in the league yes yep I totally agree I mean look at what happened with Deshaun Watson when Stefan Diggs went to Buffalo yeah or sorry, Minnesota, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Minnesota. Um, I know. I was, was watching the was, I was watching um, the replay of the the Minnesota Miracle, which I think the the anniversary of that is today. That was a Case Keenum to Stefan Diggs. Yeah, who was um Deshaun's go to guy that got traded? Why am I blanking on that? Oh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's flourished, and I think that that definitely impacted Houston this past year. Oh, Yo, I mean, yeah, Deshaun absolutely. didn't have anyone to throw to. He didn't have a target. He didn't have anyone to throw to, and I think he still might have been, like, the league leader in yards. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw that today. Isn't that, like, wild? Yeah. Yeah. I can't – I don't even know how he's real. Like, he deserves so much more. He does. He really does. Um. Okay, so the other thing I want to just bring up really quick before we go into the um, preview of the game, I just had to ask you guys – I sent you guys the clip of some of the mic'd up from the game on Sunday. <laughs> And I just had to bring up, like, Wyatt Teller, his, like, rage on the sideline of the Browns is the Browns. Just, like, he might be, like, one of my favorite players on the team now. Like, I was terrified when he started yelling that. I want him to retire Cleveland Browns. Me too. <laughs> I want um, him here forever. Did you guys know that uh, Wyatt Teller's a hokey? We know, Meredith. <laughs> you should get his jersey. We're going to start a drinking game. It's every time Meredith brings up Virginia Tech, you take a shot. Or what's his name? Frank Beamer? Yep. 
You know, that's the most fun drinking game ever. I am telling you, you are going to get so happily buzzed. <laughs> that's our new game. <laughs> yes. Take a shot every time I say Virginia Tech, tweet about Virginia Tech, talk about Virginia Tech. Well, yeah. you can't. Okay, so you can't take a shot for like if I'm wearing hokey gear because I'm probably wearing something hokey like literally every single day. So that wouldn't count. No. You would die. You'd go to the uh, you'd you'd get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. So if you guys haven't watched that clip yet, it's out on the interwebs. Um, but it's it's it's. I mean, I was fired up again. It's very good. Oh okay. yeah. There's so many good so hype good. videos out right now too. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I can't stop watching. I'm like addicted to hype videos right now. <laughs> Are the you Cleveland one? The Cleveland Browns social media department like remains the unsung heroes. I think of everything because even when, good. yeah, even when it was, too. yeah, because even when it was Hugh Jackson, even when it was Freddie Kitchens, even when it was Owen 16, they still found content and made incredible videos. Like I am just so pleased because I've seen a lot of teams that have less than stellar social media. Their tweets are questionable. Their videos are kind of lame, but man, the Cleveland Browns, they just hit on all cylinders with all of their social media, whether it's, you know, the hype videos, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, like just everything. I love it. So yeah, yes. game game balls to their social media team. They deserve one. They are. And their elite. photographer who is amazing. Oh my gosh. I yes. love Oh, he's the best. So good. Um, okay. So let's move into the matchup. So you guys, yeah. we're facing Kansas City on Sunday and uh, they're 10 point underdogs going into this game. How fitting, right? We have a quarterback that yeah. loves to be an underdog he thrives on it and i think Loves this entire it. team has that mindset mm -hmm. um the over and under is set at 57 which i feel like is kind of low i would I take like the over so low take the over that that just seems like although you know what according to my keys to victory which we'll get into later we better hope it's under 57 yeah i know because <laughs> right? if it's over 57 that means the browns might be in trouble okay so let's get into the keys to the victory. So there's a lot of really interesting um, tidbits going on um, in this game, um, and, and we can talk about them. So just to go over a few of them, um, Baker's thrown for at least 250 yards in six of his past seven games. Mm -hmm. um, on the flip side, Travis Kelsey um, has at least seven receptions in eight straight games. Um, Mahomes and company score around 30 points per game. The Browns defense, you know, we know what that is, but they rank 22nd against the pass, which is not ideal going into this game. No. And then Mahomes, he was second in the league in passing yards and fourth in touchdowns. Baker was 18 in passing, um, 15th in touchdowns. But again, we know how good our running game yes. is. Um, they have the Browns have two running backs that are in the top 20 in yards mm -hmm. per game. Um. The Kansas City defense, um, they also allow 22.6 points per game. Um, they're ranked 10th in the NFL, and they do have 22 takeaways. Um, Tyreek Hill is another guy, monster, um, just a speed, speedster, um, receiver, 15 touchdowns. This is crazy. He averages 14.7 yards Isn't, per catch. I had to, like, do a double take as I wrote that down. I was like, that can't possibly be right. Ooh. That's right. That's terrifying. The, okay. The fact that Mahomes has – I mean, like, he's great as it is, of yeah. course. 
But, like, the fact that he has so many weapons. Oh, like, I know. Just amazing. And, and they I also can't. are, like, really good at running a bunch of trick plays. So it's not yes. like it's not like they're predictable like the Steelers yes. were, you know? Steelers, you kind of knew. Ben. You knew their limits going <laughs> yes. into that game. It was yes. Big Ben. <laughs> this is going to be a true test. I also saw um, another crazy stat, too, um, that Andy Reid, I think, is undefeated coming out of a bye week. And it's like some crazy number. Oh, boy. So it feels like they haven't played a game in like a month. No, but I also read that, and I wish I would have like screenshot it and saved it for this, but statistically there was something about uh teams that rest for like a few weeks because you know kansas city obviously they had yeah. the last week to rest but then like the week before they rest their starters so then something about statistically the teams that do that sort of come in cold and they don't do as well as people think they do and I wish I had that stat at the top of my head, but I do remember reading something about that because it was an article about whether or not to take the Browns or Kansas City, and it said that was one of the things to think about. Like, you know, historically, teams like the Browns, who just they haven't had a break and they just keep playing, come in better than teams who have had weeks to rest. Now, that could all blow up in the face, but, you know, just something to think about. Momentum, I guess. That's, yeah. that would, that's what my assumption would be on that because you know it's almost like the team doesn't have the time to come down Mm -hmm. from the high of winning yeah you know and Mm -hmm. they're still in like game mindset because it it, I mean and you both have played sports so you know that when you're on the field or on the court or on the ice or whatever sport you play you're in a completely different mind frame that you're a completely different person than you are in your everyday life. You're competitive, you're aggressive, you're just, everything is focused on that game and in that moment. So it makes sense that teams that sit for a while, you know, would, would be cold because it you that's something that doesn't really, you can't just turn it on and off instantaneously, you know? Right, and it's not like they knew who they were playing, you know? Exactly, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't know until Sunday like night. 10 p- yeah, yeah, so like, like Sunday night, 10 p.m., something like that. Yeah, so I guess like from from their bodies getting rest, sure, that's that's great and all. Um, but I could see that also being a, a downside as well, Brittany, or something that they should should or could be concerned about. Because I do agree that the Browns have momentum on their side, and mm-hmm. um, I think they didn't. They don't look like they're tired. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean they. I think their confidence level right now, and that win on Sunday against the Steelers, that boosted their confidence and. Yeah. I think right now they think they're pretty unstoppable because of yeah. that. Like they're still riding that that victory and that high. And I think that could continue into what we see on Sunday. Yes. And I also think, you know, obviously Kevin Stefanski's back now. Um, he's not he's not gonna let them get too high right. on themselves. You know, like he I think he's gonna be a, he's gonna do a really good job at controlling that. So it's not like, you know, oh you were the best. That's not gonna happen. That's this isn't a Freddie Kitchens locker room mm-hmm. now. This is Kevin Stefanski, very controlled, very level headed. And I think the players feed off that, which luckily, thank God, I love this so much. Yeah. Um, Brittany, do you wanna share a few inter- another few interesting facts? Yes. So going into the this first game. Yeah, the first set was interesting tidbits because, you know, there's just little things that I found, little nuggets of information that I thought was interesting. 
But these are very interesting tidbits because these could work to Cleveland's advantage. Okay, so are you ready for this? Yeah. So, first things first. The Chiefs haven't won by more than six points since week eight. Can we talk about that? Not more than six points. Yeah, okay. So so this team is barely beating teams. I saw this, and it was interesting because I saw – I don't remember who – who was talking about this from a national perspective media. They, they took this and said that it's because they didn't have to. That's what they said. That's bullshit. <laughs> they are That's professional athletes. Too. Yes, they're professional athletes. They go out there. They want to win. It's not like they take the foot off the gas once they're nuts. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. And I'm looking at the teams now. So let's see. Um, since week eight. Well, that's not true. They beat the Chargers. Oh, no. Okay. There we go. So, obviously, they lost to the Chargers. Um, they beat the Falcons by three. They beat the Saints by four. They screwed me a lot, by the way, because I always take them with these, like, big uh, covers. They never covered it. Uh, they, they barely beat, beat Dolphins. Miami, right? Yeah, because he turned the ball yeah. over a few times. Yeah. They beat the Dolphins by six. The Broncos by six. I mean, this is – guys – I'm feeling better just looking Me at this. Too. Yeah, they, they beat the, the Raiders by four, beat the Bucks by three. Uh, they beat the Panthers by two. So, yeah, that's that's since week eight. Hmm? And I don't want to hear, oh, they didn't have to. Yeah, no. it's like they just didn't have to score. No. So <laughs> they have a generational arm throwing the ball. Like, they – come on, man. Don't what was give that? Me that. What's that old saying? Good teams win, great teams cover. Exactly. They never come. They screwed me so many times. I probably could have won like $4,000 this year, but the Brittany, Chiefs cost me everything. Brittany would be a thousand air if it wasn't for the Chiefs. Yeah, imagine. Like, I could be rich AF right now. That's a lot of Duncan. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could just buy a Duncan. <laughs> okay, so that's something that should make everyone feel better. Number two, Cleveland has averaged 162 yards on the ground in 14 games with Nick Chubb active this season. The Chiefs ranked 22nd against the run, worst among playoff teams. I love it. I mean, we talked yes. about this. Yes. I think when That's huge. the yeah. Browns yes. were were in the playoffs, how the approach, I think, is the better running game you have going into the playoffs, I think the, the better chance you have to win. Yes, because that, it makes you a dual threat. Yes. Like, yeah, Baker can throw, but guess what? We have great running backs, too. Ugh. And that's something that Kansas City doesn't – they don't com- compare with us in that. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, number three, Pro Football Focus rates the Chiefs as the 11th best offensive line for the season. The Browns, on the other hand, are the top-rated line in the one. rankings. There you go. Eat it. Number one. Yeah, I mean, do, don't you think the the Steelers were definitely a way bigger task for the offensive line to face versus the Chiefs game on Sunday? I do. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. And they're especially gonna be... because we were like. We had no one. I was just going to say that. I was like, we're getting pieces back on that line. Now, Jack yes. Conklin, I think, is still a question, but um, Joel Batoni is going to be huge. Yes. Oh, I can't wait till he's back. And finally, I thought this was just sort of interesting. Uh, according to NFL penalties, the Chiefs were flagged 105 times, which is fifth most in the NFL, for 919 yards. That's the sixth most in the NFL. The football database counts 40 of those flags going against the Chiefs offense for delay of game, false start, holding, and offensive pass hmm. interference. So these are all mental errors that the Chiefs apparently are prone to making. That surprises me. Yeah. How about that? 
Yeah. So, I like yeah. how there's Doesn't... an NFL penalty. Is that like on Twitter or like... Listen, I dug deep into <laughs> stuff today. <laughs> I had time today. <laughs> I was too busy fighting the OBJ haters on Twitter. Right? Oh my gosh. All right. Imagine so imagine hating OBJ. God, I Could know. Could never be me. Could not be us. Mm-mm. So cute. His haircut's cute. I mean, everything about him is just so cute. And his tweet today. Yes. How about his tweet today when he said, "Don't what do you say? Don't be surprised if they win." Yes. Yeah. I think he said, "Don't be surprised when they win." Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's a big difference. Speak it yeah. into existence, OBJ. We love that. Love it. I mean, I just want everything spoken into existence right now. I know. Same. So but I mean, talk- I said this. I said this in our group chat earlier today, and I think this will probably segue into the next point: is that the Chiefs aren't untouchable they're not unbeatable Mm -hmm. like they're they the weaknesses are few and far between but they're there and if you can exploit them you can win yes yes i mean like just these things like they uh, baker's been great this year on like forcing uh not false stars but like offsides yes Yes. you know drawing penalties yeah he's so good at that yes that's one of the things that he has greatly improved upon and you know apparently kansas city has a problem with this which there you go so kevin stefanski since you're listening to this (laughs) you know these are tidbits for you to use at at your leisure and you know now we're getting keys of victory so you might want to listen up for this too yes pay attention kevin um well meredith what you just said though is is exactly like a key to a victory it's exploiting their weaknesses and and figuring out what they are and attacking them and i think when you have a smart coaching staff kevin hello um that's that's what we have an advantage on um i think the other thing is um Brittany, you wrote this down don't get behind big early yes um mm-hmm. so i i definitely agree with that we there's a stat out there about the browns i mean we're undefeated when we're leading at halftime so mm-hmm. We haven't had to play a lot of games where we're coming from behind. Um, the only game that comes to mind for me was really the Ravens game where we got down by two scores and then we eventually clawed our way back out of it. But the Browns just play better when they're winning, quite frankly. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's going to be key. And um, if they go down early, I think it's going to be really hard to establish that run game and run yes. effectively like we expect them to do um, mm-hmm. if they're going to be playing catch up. Yeah. And I wrote down, if it comes down, because, you know, if if you can't get the run game going early and you get down behind, you know, Kansas City can score so yes. fast. And just like that, it's like what you blink and they score like two touchdowns. So if they can avoid getting down early, that's to me, that's the most important thing here, because if they do that, you take the run game out because now Baker's in a rush you got to score fast. And if it comes down to Baker versus Mahomes throwing 50 or 60 times, that's a battle that Mahomes wins 9 out of 10 times. Yeah. Like, that's just – that's the reality of it. So, you know, the Browns got to – they, they got to pace themselves. But, you know, we'll get to the rest later. Yeah, I think um, the other thing we had down here was time of possession, just really uh-huh. making sure that the Browns are in control. Keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Yes, um, that's the If he doesn't the have the one. ball. Yeah, if he mm-hmm. doesn't have the ball, he can't score. Um, and I think the Browns have done that quite a few times this, this year with, um, keeping the ball out of some huge playmakers hands. Um, they did that. I mean, hell, they did that in the fourth quarter on Sunday. They had like a six or seven minute drive in the fourth quarter for a touchdown. Yeah. They did it against Derrick Henry and the Titans. Like Derrick Henry, they made Derrick Henry a non-factor. Um, 
I mean, they've played against some pretty dominant offensive performances this year. I mean, th- look at Dak Prescott, too, um, earlier in the year when he was healthy. Like, we, we, he threw for 500 yards, mm-hmm. um, and the Browns still won. Um, yes. I'm just hoping that the Browns don't start out in the prevent defense. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, God. It prevents At least we have Denzel waiting. Ward back. Like, the That'll score is 0-0, zero, zero, guys. Let's prevent. <laughs> It'll be halftime and they're losing like 42 nothing. What happened? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Um, so the other thing we had mentioned was no turnovers. And the ball hit the ball. Jesus Christ. The Browns have done very well at taking care of the football. Um, yes. You know, I think what the last time we turned the ball over was, was it Baker's quarterback sneaks? Is that when we struggled? Yeah. Yeah, I think that yes. was against the Jets. Yeah. So. So. Um, you know, we, it's going to be a hard enough game to win as it is. Don't give them any gifts. Don't put yeah. the ball back in Mahomes' hands. Yeah. You almost have to play perfect football in this game to win this. Like, there's no way around that. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't think, obviously, that stat that I said at the beginning of the show, like, Baker's only had one interception in the past 10 games. So I don't think interception, we just got to make sure we hold on to the ball. Yeah. Because that's, that's where it'll, it'll hurt us. One of the things I wrote down is the impact of Miles Garrett as well. Um, mm-hmm. We had talked about him being pretty important for the game against the Steelers. Um, he didn't obviously have a sack or anything, but he was oftentimes double teamed um, and having to work really hard to get any pressure. I don't think you're going to sack Patrick Mahomes. In fact, um, there are stats out there that if you blitz Patrick Mahomes, you actually will pay more for that. So it's probably not in our best interests to try to blitz and sack him. But I do think Miles Garrett and the line, if they can apply some pressure because their offensive line is not that great, mm-hmm. then that can obviously benefit the Browns. And just making some quicker decisions. You never know. There could be a tipped pass um, that falls into an interception. Um, I mean, you look at what Miami did to them. Like They were able to apply some pressure against Mahomes um, and, and turn the ball over. And I think – the Browns offense is able to capitalize and score on a turnover if they can get it. Um, but again, I think it's just not making him comfortable, like not make, not giving him too much time, like just making him rush through his progressions um, yes. and, and really getting that, that pressure on him. So I, I really hope Miles Garrett can, can make an impact. Again, I don't think we'll see sacks necessarily. So I don't want to hear from the where's Miles crowd. Um, I don't think like, Miles is there, guys. Miles he may not there. be sacking, but he's there. I just he's don't think Kansas City line is going to be able to double-team Miles because I think then Sheldon um, and Larry could have a pretty breakout, like a, a good, solid breakout game. You know, I yeah, just – Yeah, Oak Drubby's due. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they're going to have to really figure out how to stop Miles. I mean, Miles has speed. So, like, that's yes. something that you can't you can't ignore about him. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it's gonna be interesting. They, I don't think they faced anyone like like Miles really. That has that. They always like show so. Miles on the slow motion replays about how his like ankles bend. Which I think oh is, god, like, so weird. But it's so true. He just is like he's almost like completely horizontal with the ground in a way. But he's like still on his feet. Gumby. He's like um the Matrix. <laughs> Generational talent, Miles Garrett. Gosh. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's pretty much all we have for you guys. We will close the show with, do we think the Browns can win? 
Brittany. Oh, you know I think the Browns can win. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ready for this to end I yet. Know, and I know same. they're not ready for this to end yet. We have people coming back from COVID, uh, especially our head coach is coming. He's back. <laughs> he's, he's in Berea today. He's good to go. He's not watching from his basement anymore. Um, and although he said he downplays his role and he downplays what he does and says anyone could, you know, read off a sheet, he makes a difference. He matters. I Last week, um, Sunday, I texted you guys that article about uh, Jarvis after the game. Yes. He said as soon as he went in the locker room, he said, we got to call coach. And he started dialing. He's like, no, 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 we got to do, do FaceTime with him. I need to mm-hmm. see him. I need to see coach. And, yep. like, that melted me, number one. But it also proves what a, what an impact he has on these guys. That the first thing they thought of was, we need him here to celebrate with us. And that matters. So, you know, Kevin's back. Um, I just read a stat that says Andy Reid is 7-0 and versus the Browns, which means he's due for a loss. So there you go. <laughs> um, you know, Kansas City, beatable. They are, whether, you know, no disrespect to Pat Mahomes because I think he's phenomenal. But you know what? I think we have a hell of a quarterback too. And I think this is do or die, and this is when Baker Mayfield shines the brightest. So, yeah, I'm all in. Browns. Meredith. I mean, I almost don't want to say anything after that speech by Brittany because that's just <laughs> like, I want to run through a wall for Brittany right now. My goodness. I know. Brittany's back to back episodes. So good. Leading up um, to the game. <sighs> It's tough. I think the can't can can the Browns win? Absolutely. I think that they have the tools in their arsenal to be able to win. I think they've got the brains behind the tools in Kevin Stefanski and his entire coaching staff. Um, I I think they have everything they need to win. Um, and like like you guys said earlier, if they play perfect ball, then they will. And since Kevin Stefanski is perfect. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I just, I, I expect nothing but perfection from the perfect man. Right. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, what about you? Heck yeah. I'm saying yes. I think this team is riding off of the high from Sunday. I think they feel like they're unstoppable and that they slayed a huge dragon on Sunday when everyone doubted them. Nobody gave them a chance. I think that's happening again this weekend. Nobody's giving them a chance to win this game. I think that's going to add fuel to the fire. Um, They want to keep going. They want to prove to all the doubters out there that they belong, that they should be here. Um, And honestly, I think that they could out-physical this team and and implore their dominance, their physical dominance against this team. And I think that could pay dividends once again. Um, So I have full faith in this Browns team to make this a game and – Pull out the victory and the biggest upset of the year. I love it. Let's go. It. We're 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 going. Let's do it. It's Let's happening. be back. Pumped next up. Week. Speaking it into existence. Spe- yes, that's what we do. That's what. Hey, yes. you never know. There could be a bad snap on the opening play. You know, like. <laughs> oh, I think I would just melt if that happened. I would melt. Anything can happen. Anything that's can happen. Right. If Sunday can happen, anything can happen. Any right. given Sunday. That's right. That's and right. you don't have to be great. You just have to be good enough. That's right. Well, with that, we will close this episode, and we will hope to talk to you guys on Monday after a Browns victory. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go Browns. Bye. Go Browns. Bye.